0: Welcome back, Compass Bible Church, to another compass Equip podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm joined with Pastor Hayden. Hey, guys. Good to be with you this week. Well, Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching everyone to be like Christ, and training everyone to serve Christ in everything that we do, including this podcast, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching, teaching, and training. Well, Pastor Hayden, our audio sounds a little different because we are over Zoom because you are out of town. Where are you in, on this planet? Hey, guys. So uh, glad
1: to join you guys even over Zoom this week. Kayla and I took a few days. We headed out to Fort Worth, On a little getaway, so we could uh, get a little bit of rest, and also so I could begin working on our Good Friday and Easter services. So been all right, really excited to uh, jump in and start studying and getting ready for these great uh, services that we are going to have for our community. So be praying even now that many people would come and hear the message of Good Friday and the Easter message of the risen Christ. So been excited to get away, but right now I'm sitting in a coffee shop to get some good wi-fi so we can record the podcast. So uh, bear with the audio, and uh, we hope that this podcast will serve to equip you to more effectively uh, reach, teach, and train this week here at Compass Bible Church. But on that note, we are starting a brand new series this week called House Flippers. Uh, House All Flippers right. is a four-week uh, four-week series on our uh, hope that God would flip our home as he did there in Colossae in the first century. We have different institutions within the home, husbands and wives, children, uh, and even uh, even the institution of slavery uh, and how God had purposed them to glorify him there in the first century, and it has a lot to say about how we uh, can uh, flip our homes for the glory of God here and now. So, Pastor Evan, as we look at God's blueprints for marriage, let me read Colossians three sixteen and seventeen, and open us up on the things we can be focusing on this week uh, as we think back to your sermon uh, on marriage. So, here's the text: Colossians three eighteen and nineteen It says, "Wives, submit to your husbands, as is sitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them." That sermon, how can we uh, take this sermon into the week as we are looking to glorify God in our marriage?
0: All right, Compass, it was a pleasure to be able to preach to y'all Sunday on the importance of marriage because in marriages, this reflects who God is. And as we talked about Sunday, his relationship with his church. And one of the first areas is God flips our lives from being unsaved, unregenerate into a life that is now regenerate through His through His Son Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to live different lives. we talked about that throughout the past series of putting off sin. And putting on his righteousness. And that's gonna affect every place in our lives as our life is being flipped upside down, being conformed into God's image. The first, one of the first, and most intimate places that he does this is in our marriages. And marriage is gonna be the, a, a great spot to really see how are you living out your faith in Christ, because with that, the person that you have as your spouse is going to be the most intimate relationship that you have. And they know you the most here on earth. And they're going to really see, are you living out your responsibility in God's design for marriage? And that's the main thrust of the sermon on Sunday was for us as men and women to embrace, to joyfully embrace our responsibilities within God's design for marriage because this is the responsibility for every Christian. As you, as if you're single, as you desire to be married, or if you are married as a spouse, we need to joyfully embrace the responsibilities God has given us because it reflects who he is. As Paul called us to maturity in Christ, we want to live out that maturity by turning to our marriages, taking what from what we thought it is and to flip it over to, to follow what God has to say about it. And there's three primary ways that we talked about doing this. Essentially, it's our points to first to make sure God is God over our home. In order to really joyfully embrace the responsibilities, we have to make sure God is in his rightful place. We have to get out of his way and to follow his lead. And his lead is for us is for, well, for the ladies and the wives is to make sure you're submitting to your husbands. And that's the focus. Point number two is to make sure you're actively yielding to God's authority. Now, we all submit to God's authority, you know, the, the, the authority of the government, but also for wives, you yield to God's authority by submitting to your husband's. But men is even though all of us are called to love correctly, us men, we need to make sure we're leading by always loving correctly. Now, this is not the, you know, the romantic goody two-shoes soft love that is usually presented in romantic comedies, in either movies or books or blogs. You know, this love is active. It's unceasing. It's deliberate, sacrificial love that's going to inconvenience ourselves as men but it's, going to lay, it's because we're laying down our lives to pursue our wives for the glory of God.
1: That's a great uh, overview of what we learned on Sunday. And Pastor Evan, is there anything uh, that you either missed on Sunday or how I'd like to better say it, anything that you wish you could have dived a little bit more into, but because of the time weren't able to jump into that? Anything that you would like to add to what we had learned on Sunday?
0: Absolutely. Um, Even though we did talk about Ephesians 5 verses 22 to 33 and 1 Peter 3, 1 through 7, I wish I had three hours just to break down those texts to really present to you what God's view of marriage is for us. So take this, time you know, in the application questions, you're going to do this. I wish we're able to, you know, take time this week during when you don't have life group to really study Ephesians 5, 22 and 33 through 33 and 1 Peter 3 one through seven. Use a good commentary or a Bible study. If you don't have any, reach out to your life group leader and they'll be able to help point into a direction of a Bible study or a commentary on these passages and really examine yourself. Instead of looking at your spouse, look at you and say, Am I fulfilling the roles of Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3? Because it's going to really be helpful for you to do that. And of course I wish I can just reiterate all the books I can on marriage, but there's a handful that I think are very, that we Pastor Hayden and I think are very helpful. And I'll just give you um, three. Uh, first is Resolving Everyday Conflict by Ken Sandy and Kevin Johnson. This very small book is a very helpful book to help you as marriages. We, we will be in conflict. We're not going to avoid, we want to not just avoid it. We want to be able to biblically approach conflict rightly. Right, and this book really helps us Resolve conflict within our lives, but especially within our marriages. The next two books are kind of books on marriage called first is "Love That Lasts: When Marriage Meets Grace" by Gary and Betsy um, Risucci or Ricucci. I don't know how to pronounce their last name, but "Love That Lasts" and also. This momentary message by John Piper. If you can get those three books in your library and read them this year, your marriage will benefit, you know, of course, if you're submitting to the biblical principles that they present. You said momentary message, you meant momentary marriage
1: right? by yeah, John sorry. Piper. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, you're good because pre- you just preached yeah. the message. So that's, that's what you're thinking on. Uh, you know, one. Uh, of the objections we often get when we think of the complementary relationship between husbands and wives, especially in our culture, uh, is always the question: Well, uh, if a woman has to submit to her husband, uh, is there a is there a question of equality? And is there a question of uh, you know is the is the men more important than the than the wife, or is there some type of uh, innate qualitative difference within the husband and the wife and you know our answer is an adamant no of course not what it does is it is is showing a type of uh, uh form of how god relates to people and how he wants to use the marriage to display his glory i think of uh text like first corinthians eleven three when it says but i want everyone to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of uh, a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Well, when we understand that context, we understand uh, Christologically that Christ and God are equal, right? That that Christ is fully God uh, and he is equal to God. But yet he doesn't count, according to uh, Philippians, his equality with God, something to be grasped. And so even here we see uh, that Christ is uh, submissive to God, although equal to God. And so that same relationship is how we explain the relationship between the husband and the wife. Uh, husband and wife are equal uh, in nature and who they are. They are uh, both heirs to God, however, in the structure in which God relates to people and how he wants marriage to uh, display the glory of himself in Christ is to say that the husband is head of the wife. And that headship there is something that we have to, as Christians, not only respect, but try to display in such a way where people can understand God through looking through the lens of the marriage with the husband and the wife. And so so much of this is such a beautiful display of the doctrine of God. And we got to make sure that as we look at this scripture, that we do it because we want to yield to God's authority and his pattern for marriage. And so, you know, that's an objection that you may often get, but if we understand that it's all to display the glory of the God uh, and not to usurp uh, or not to have, uh, showed the uh, our authoritative uh, nest over our marriage, and we see it's really the glory of God here. We're going to understand that marriage is a much more gracious and wonderful institution of God than most of the time our culture wants to relate it, it, especially when it comes to a biblical marriage. Now, on that note, we're going to get to our application questions, and even though you're not meeting in your life groups this week, Pastor Evan, what are some things that, as we do our personal study and our application questions? How can we focus in on these to get the most out of our application questions?
0: It's to remember what Pastor Hayden just said, that the purpose of your life, our lives, is to bring God glory. And that means that our marriage is not for us. There's romantic elements of it. It's a benefit. But we find that in Scripture. But the point of our marriages is to glorify God. And so my challenge to you is that even though you're not meeting as a life group, do these questions. Talk to your spouse. If you're married, talk to your spouse about your answers to the questions because you want to care about God's glory. You want to make sure that your marriage is healthy, it's strong, but most importantly, biblical and holy. So make sure you resolve to build up your marriage every day and start with doing the questions to really examine yourself and your marriage to, and ask the tough question, is my marriage holy in following after God's design? Because here's one of the ramifications of that. As a church, remember, we exist to make disciples and our marriages and our church will affect our effectiveness of doing that as a church. I mean, your kids are watching, despite the influence that social media has and schools have and all these other things, realize that parents have the biggest influence, even today in their child's lives, and they're watching you. And are you displaying the gospel within their marriage? And are they seeing this? And this will help you make, either make or not make effective disciples within your home, but also people are watching from the outside. As you go on dates this week, as you go to the grocery stores, as you live lives to your neighbors, people are watching your marriage. Are you displaying the gospel in your marriage? And so use these application questions to really help you see and guide you towards a holy marriage. And then finally, as I said in the sermon, make sure you go on a date. And if you don't have kids or are single, help build up these marriages so that we can be effective in making disciples. So offer to babysit this week of a married couple that has kids so that we can build up these marriages so that we can build up these churches. All right, Pastor Hayden, it is time for a DVR spotlight. And so we are continuing in the book of Deuteronomy. So what do you have for us as we continue to read the book of Deuteronomy? Because this week, we're going to be spending time uh, finishing
1: up Deuteronomy and even getting into the first couple of chapters of the book of Joshua. And just as we relate uh, ourselves to Deuteronomy, what we need to understand is this, especially in the second account of the laws, is many of the laws that are set here uh, in uh, Deuteronomy are in the context of ancient Israel against the backdrop. Of ancient Near Eastern civilizations. And so because of that, we have to understand that God is giving Israel laws uh, that are set against the laws of other nearby nations that set Israel apart uh, from these nations. And so many of these laws are not apples to apples with Western contemporary laws, but as you read them, understand this, they exist to set Israel apart from other ancient Near Eastern civilization. So as we get into that, we've now talked through a lot of the laws. As we finish up the laws of purity in chapters 22 through 23, we see uh, that we are talking about purity in public worship, personal hygiene, and the treatment of uh, the the outcast and disadvantaged people. Uh, And we also see in uh, chapters 23, verses 17 and 18, a prohibition against cult prostitution, and so why do we have that? Uh, what do you mean cult prostitution? What is, you know, I thought the, the, the temple and the holy places were supposed to be pure. Yes, but you have to understand they needed the laws against this because these are things that were popular in ancient Near Eastern cultures. And so these laws are being set out to show Israel is not like the other ancient Near Eastern cultures, but they are set apart and they have prohibitions against things that other nations see as good and pleasing. And I'm going to look through uh, an outline of the rest of Deuteronomy through the lens of Eugene Merrill's uh, commentary on Deuteronomy in his New American Commentary. And so if you go to that resource, you could find uh, an outline pretty similar to this. Because after you get from the laws of purity, do you then get to interpersonal relationships and chapters 23 through 25? And then from 20. Chapter twenty-six, verses one through fifteen. You then uh, hear about laws concerning covenant celebration and the confirmation of these covenants, and the presentation of the tithes of the first through then the presentation of the third year tie, that the two years, There is a tie that's given to uh, the Levites and to those who are in need of uh, what we would call social benefits: the poor and impoverished, and the widows. Uh, those types of laws concerning civil uh help to people who are in need and after that we move to uh really how uh, moses is retelling and telling israel how they can be looking forward to rewards for obedience and consequences for their faithfulness in chapters 27 through 29 and so he's just retelling hey as you guys go into the land that god had promised you remember that if you will follow his obedience, following obedience to the laws and statutes there in the commands, God is going to bless you. But again, if you disobey His word and you and you turn away from God, He is going to curse you by things like disease and drought, by reversing the blessings he's given you, by uh, causing you defeat and deportation, which is really a foreshadowing of what ends up happening. As Israel turns away uh, when we get to uh, some of the going of. Kings and sandals and promises but he gives you all of these different uh, curses for disobedience and blessings if they would obey. Uh, and then, as we move on, we get to uh, chapters twenty-nine and thirty, and really, it's Moses casting God's vision for Israel using what has happened in the past, what is going on in the present, and what they can be looking forward to in the future realities when it comes to God's covenant blessing. Over Israel, the results of their uh, disobedience, uh, and then what Moses asks for there in verse thirty or chapter thirty in verses eleven through twenty is a appeal for Israel to keep their covenant promises to God. Uh, and he says it this way in Deuteronomy thirty, verses fifteen through eighteen. He's like, "I've set before you life uh, and good, and death and evil, and all you gotta do is obey the commandments, and you will go." it says in verse 17, if your heart turns away and you will not give, but you're drawn away to worship other gods, then I declare to you today that you shall truly perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the door to enter and to possess. So Moses is giving them that ultimatum because if you guys would follow the Lord, he's going to give you the land and he's going to, he's going to allow it to produce and it's going to, be, uh, to fulfill all the promises that he's given. You. But if you turn away, he's going to take you out of the land and you're going to perish and you will be... Uh, even as he said before, deported and taken out of the land that God had promised you. And so, after that, what we see in the rest of chapter 31 is uh, the coming of the su- succession of Joshua to leave Israel. Uh, uh, Moses takes the text that he has written these laws and he's asking to put it in the ark so they'll remember uh, as Moses is about to get ready to die uh, to help them remember exactly what God had told him. Uh, And even as we see in the last couple of uh, verses of chapter 31, uh, the anticipation of all these leaders affecting and not following the Lord. That's the reason Moses gives them these written tablets to say, you need to follow these because I know you're going to, you're going to rebel. And he says that in verse 27. I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today while I'm alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord much more after my death. So Moses knows they're going to rebel. Uh, And so he gives him this reminder to say, stay true, stay faithful to the Lord. And then he goes through uh, chapter 31 and the rest of chapter 131 and into chapter 32 of the song of Moses, where he talks about uh, the indictment of the people, the past blessings of God on Israel, and talks about Israel's rebellion, and they're going to rebel even again, and God's promise of judgment, all the way through uh, into the vindication of the Lord in verses 39 through 43. After that, we're going to get into Moses blessing the tribes of Israel because he's getting ready to die. And as you often see, the patriarchs through the Old Testament, as they get ready to die, they bless the offspring that God has given them. And as they have put them over the tribes, they often go and bless them before they pass away. So here we have Reuben and Judah and Levi and Benjamin and Joseph and Zebulun and for All these, all the tribes are then being blessed by Moses. And then to end, we have the death of Moses there in verses 1 through 8. Of transition from the leadership of Moses and now it's being bestowed onto Joshua as he gets ready to lead Israel into the promised land and now here's where we get into the book of Joshua and this is an overview the book of Joshua recounts the uh, triumphs of, uh, of Israel as Joshua takes them into the promised land and goes through all of the military victories of Israel as they began taking over the land that God had promised to them and so that's what we're going to see all of the books of Moses are now uh, that have anticipated the coming into the promised land are now coming uh, to fruition through the leadership of Joshua into the promised land so as we look to that we get to see at the beginning of Joshua it says after the death of Moses the servant of the Lord the Lord said to Joshua the son of Nun Moses my servant is dead now therefore go over this Jordan you and all the people into the land that I'm giving to you every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I promised to Moses so really that's the thesis of this whole book is that, that God has given over the promised land to Israel and all that's required of Israel is this Joshua 1 9 have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you Wherever you go, and so here in the first couple of chapters that you'll be going on, we'll be looking at the book's outline uh, in verses two through five chapter one. The call to courage there that we just read in verse nine, and then we see Joshua's leadership and organizing all of Israel. And he even gives uh, some direction to the three tribes that are staying in the Jordan. He says, "Even though you guys have been given this allotted land, you need to, all your people who are ready for battle need to come follow us." and help us take over the land of Thomas Thomas. Even though you guys are gonna stay on this side of the Jordan, we still need to go with us to make sure that we can take over the rest of the places that God has given us as a a nation. Then you see, as they travel over the Jordan, they meet Rahab, and you know Rahab? She's in the lineage of Christ there in Matthew. And she's also in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. The the faithful woman who is despised buy out the land of Canaan. You're going to read through all of that. And then to end this week, we're going to end in chapter three. Uh, And it's really uh, just telling of the passage across the Jordan, Joshua's instructions of all of those who are to pass across and what order they're going to cross over. And then finally, in verses 14 and 17, you have the the priests begin crossing over with the Ark to lead Israel into uh, conquering the land of Canaan. So that's what you guys can be looking forward to in this to daily Bible reading on the side of the for you guys as you continue working your way through the whole Bible this year. Pastor Evan, we now have some announcements. What are some big announcements church that we can be looking forward to as uh, we get going this week?
0: Well, thank you so much, Pastor Hayden, for walking us through our daily Bible reading. Um, before we get to the announcements, there is a book that I love that helps through the book of Joshua. It's called Joshua, no, Fail, uh, no Falling Words by Dale Davis. And so add that to your library as you're diving through Joshua. Very helpful resource that helps explain the book of Joshua as you read it in these coming weeks. But the church-wide announcements that we have, there's uh, only two. Uh, first is, excitingly, is that our summer kids camps are scheduled. They are on the church calendar now for our science camp our Art Camp, and Camp Compass, which is essentially our VBS. Now, All of those dates can be found at compasshillcountry.org slash kids under our kids page on our website. So mark your calendars for your kids and invite other people in the community to send their kids to the kids camps to, one, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and two, get connected to our church. And also, uh, as, as fast approaching we have our good friday and easter services coming up april 15th and 17th and so be praying or we are expecting to but continue, we, we need to be submissive to god's plan and will be praying with us that we will be able to hold, host those uh services in our brand new building at 2415 lifehouse industrial drive i just stopped by uh, this weekend to see the progress they are moving They're wrapping up the floors they're doing more painting. It's really exciting stuff. So continue to pray that God would allow us to finish on time so that we can pack out Good Friday and Easter services on April 15th and 17th. Uh, Good Friday will be, we have services, at, we have two services, 5 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. And Easter will be our normal 9 and 11 a.m. services. So not only be praying with us, invite people to come, hear the gospel, rightly respond, and get connected to Compass Bible Church. All right, Compass, it was so awesome to preach to you this Sunday. We're praying that you have a productive week. Uh, Make sure you're praying for your life group and text them and call them to to see how they're doing. Uh, But you guys have a great week. And we'll see you next Sunday.